Welcome one and all to Umami Manga. I'm Petter and this is James. Hello! And today we're talking about volume 24 of Kaguya-sama Love is War. Oh my god, that kind of rhymed. Um, <laughs> happy holidays! This episode is coming out on December 23rd, so I, I'd say that's like Christmas time. And I mean, we're recording it pretty shortly before that also, so happy Christmas, happy holidays, and all of those things. And um, it certainly feels like Christmas for me, having just recently read this volume for my first time. Very good times. Hope every, hope, every, hope everyone else is having a good time. <laughs> I'm having a good time. I'm very glad to hear it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, well, the manga has ended since we last recorded a Kaguya-sama discussion. Oh, yeah. So that's kind of a big thing that's happened in the Kaguya-sama world lately. So, yeah, now, I mean, we knew that, that it was ending, but now it has ended. So we know for sure that there's only four more volumes after this one. Wow, okay, when you say four, like, it kind of puts it in perspective. Right. Like, <laughs> it kind of felt we were still pretty far away from the manga, like, where, where, where the the final Japanese uh, volume is, but hmm. no, I mean... Yeah, not that only far. Only four away after this. Right. And um, by the end of this volume, we have entered the final arc. We are now one chapter into the final arc. So, yeah, the mm -hmm. end is somewhat near. Uh, I don't know if we'll get the final volume maybe in a little over a year. At least that's my expectation. Yeah. Like the beginning of 2024, I expect. Mm -hmm. Some, sometime there. Yeah, I say four volumes or only four volumes. But like you said, it's probably going to take over a year for us to get <laughs> those four volumes. So Probably, yeah. We have to hide from spoilers as best we can for, <laughs> yes. for a year. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure we can do it. I mean, we've been doing well so far, for the most part. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, once the excitement of the ending passed, I don't, I don't think it's been too hard to, you know, avoid people talking about the series, you know. Right, yeah. In a spoiler way. So, briefly about the very, like, the first page kind of of this volume... They still haven't updated the character bio page with like the new school years for all of the characters. And kind of at this rate, I wonder if they'll ever bother updating that. Kind of Nah. <laughs> there, it's, yeah. There's only four more books, as we said. So like they're probably just gonna leave that be. I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Do, do we not get enough complaints uh, <laughs> going their way? Like is <laughs> Yeah. I mean look, they decided to block out the main character's side character. You know, I don't know how many volumes ago they started doing that, but for a while, it, it, they showed, like, you know, Kaguya and Yuki as, like, the main characters, and I was a side character or whatever. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But they changed that. Oh, my God. I hadn't even noticed that they had done that, but you're right. <laughs> but why not the second year thing? Uh, is... Precisely. I don't know. That is a bit strange. I mean, even uh, I's hairstyle was updated, you know. Here, so. Yeah, they went all the way to update. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder if that's just on the English localization. Then I kind of have a suspicion that may be the case. Yeah. Yeah, maybe they just haven't bothered to. Really... Although I, I do find it funny that after all these years, they still haven't updated Miyuki <laughs> and Kaguya and Chika's art. Even even yeah. even Ishigami's art. Right. That you could tell it's from. <laughs> 
the older style, like when he first started out. Especially yeah. Chica. Her bow is huge. Her eyes are ginormous. Well, and same with Kaguya. They're ginormous. Yeah, it, it's really funny. I've also been thinking about that, how they're all depicted as the way they looked when they were introduced, basically. Uh, I mean, they look the same. It's just the art has changed, kind of. Um, exactly. And uh, it is kind of fun, I think, to to be able to kind of see how far Akasaka has come as an artist. Yeah, uh, <laughs> how far he's come and where he'll stay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because he's, he's not drawing anymore. Uh, supposedly, precisely, he did make uh, a statement like that, which is a little sad, but also a bit quite understandable. Like, uh, if he's just going to continue as a, as a storyteller, like as a writer, I, I'll be, you know, I'll be happy just to keep reading his stories, honestly. But I do like the way he draws as well. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, let us move into the character discussions, starting this time with the beautiful girl on the cover of this volume, Miko Ino. In the past, in a flashback uh, early on in this volume, she admitted to you that she felt miserable and anxious a lot because of mm. how she was treated for her discipli- disciplinary committee work. Mm-hmm. But she felt like she had to become that scapegoat in order to like to make her ideal world a reality. I thought it was kind of nice to hear that from her. And I think the bonfire at the culture festival is a great example of that. Uh, yeah. Cause that happened all thanks to her, uh, her preparing for it and also her kind of doing the patrol work during mm-hmm. uh, the event. And the entire school loved that. Uh, mm-hmm. Yet I don't think many students really thanked her for it or even knew perhaps that, you know, that it happened thanks to her. So I think it's it's fun, or well, it's nice, I guess, to get this reaffirmed kind of like just how dedicated she is to this dream of hers, kind of, uh, and that it's always been a strong thing for her, really. Yeah, I mean, she's a person who has strong ideals, oh, and yeah. to her, the ideal that she's striving for well, is obviously everyone be happy, and she believes that's through students following the rules, and that's why hmm. she goes all all the way to do that, but. I think the bonfire is an excellent example of her being the scapegoat, being sacrificing her own enjoyment for the sake of the entire school. Right. Yeah. Then there was also as part of the flashbacks, because we started off with quite a lot of flashbacks here. There was the part where Miko approached you after the big incident and she asked him if the rumors were true. The way I interpreted that was that she didn't believe the rumors, or she didn't want to believe the rumors. And that's why she came to him directly to ask, ask him uh, to, to get his side of it. Of course, he was in a really bad place then, so he didn't really give her a straight answer, which kind of led to that scene kind of ending on a bad note, sort of. But we also learned kind of through Kobachi's thought monologue there that she wanted Miko to support and believe in you, and she thought that Miko owed that to you first of all i think it's important to remember that all of you's support of miko had been purposefully done behind her back so like there was no way for her to know that she had any thing to repay to him basically so i think it's kind of mm-hmm. bad of uh, kobachi to to expect miko to do that when there was no way for her to know uh, and also miko did believe in you, I, I think. And she absolutely did support him, even though she didn't know that he had supported her. Because she she was pestering and like kind of bothering the school about lifting his suspension, as we know. 
which is something that she did for him. So I don't know, uh, just in terms of Kobachi's thought monologues during that moment, I think she's kind of wrong. Hmm. I think Miko did show, show support and care uh, toward you there, even though uh, it's not really addressed in this book. Hmm. What, what, what are your takes on that? Even in the book, Miko mentions that she didn't support Ishigami at that time. Yes, she, she does. And, and, I, I I mm, mm. and I think that's, that's the takeaway is that eventually she maybe realized something was going down or there's something wasn't right. And that's, you know, being the strong-willed person she is and believing in, in her ideals. I think that's why she ended up complaining to the principal and, and demanding that Ishigami be allowed to return or, or what have you. But in terms of what you're saying with, you know, Miko not knowing that Ishigami is doing those things, I had the same thought. And yeah, it is a little bit unfair for her to, uh, her being Osaragi to like bring that stuff up and, and blame Miko for, for not knowing that. Yeah. But then again, they were already kind of on good terms to begin with, they being Ishigami and Miko. So it's like, I don't know. I could see where Kobachi's coming from, but I also give a little bit of slack in the fact that she doesn't know everything that Ishigami was doing for her. Uh, right, right. Yeah, I, I, I do think that that's, that's important to remember. And, uh, and I mean, we'll, we'll talk about all these other characters other than Miko, obviously, as we go on in this episode. But I, I do think that, to a large extent, a lot of the characters, and maybe... <laughs> Maybe, namely, Kobachi. Uh, characters are are complicated and and acting in irrational ways that we might not agree with. I might not agree with, with at least, but they may still be realistic, kind of. And like, I can buy the emotions, even though I may not agree with the actions. I guess, <laughs> if that makes sense. Man, you're such a Miko chimp. <laughs> yeah. Willing to defend her no matter what. Was I ever not? <laughs> no, no. Miko um, Part of me wondered if Miko actually knew that Ishigami was the one doing the nice things for her, giving her that note and everything. Like maybe she had a, an idea that could have been hmm. something. But at the same time, like... There's never a moment that we get that ever confirms that. Right. Nor is there anything that implies, um, or, or I guess I should say, the way that Miko acts about this mysterious person is, you know, so vague and and dreamlike that mm. you would think that she would say, if she knew it was Ishigami or had an inkling it was Ishigami, she'd be thinking about that right. rather than just saying. Oh, my dream guy is out there somewhere, or my dream supporter is out there somewhere. Uh huh. Yeah, exactly. I honestly, to this day, I don't think she has assumed or or even had the thought that it could have been you. I I think for some reason she just hasn't thought of that possibility. But at the same time, it's interesting in this volume, and maybe this is a a plot hole uh, of some kind. That she does seem to, she being Miko, seems to think that Ishigami did support her uh, and that she wasn't there for him uh, when he needed it. That's... But maybe, but maybe mm. not to that 
depth, but it, it is interesting. Like, why why does she think that exactly? That's fair. Yeah, maybe she has just had more time to think about it. Uh, like, kind of since after Kobachi talked about her behind her back, mm-hmm. maybe she started thinking more about their past and maybe she was reminded of for example that scene between her and you that this book started off with perhaps uh maybe that that wasn't something that she had really had on her mind Mm -hmm. for quite a while Uh, and if that's the case if she remembered that scene and remembered how he told her that he would support her from the sidelines Mm. then if that if that information is in her head then she should be able to at least suspect that he may be the one who gave her the flower. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I wonder. Last thing I'll say about that specifically is that when Kaguya is reprimanding her, mm. Miko Blurtzao says, I, she already knows all this, mm-hmm. that both Kaguya and Kobachi have reprimanded her for the same thing, being that she didn't support Ishigami. And so that makes me wonder if... This is not necessarily the first time, unless she, unless she's talking about why Kobachi ever started, or you know, was talking behind her back. I guess you could say, hmm. maybe there was a time where Kobachi actually confronted Miko about not supporting <laughs> Ishigami. You know, like hmm. maybe, maybe not the same kind of attitude. Right. You know, like not not accusatory, but more so. It's like, hey, why didn't you do this with Ishigami? Or hmm. it, why didn't you stand up for him more or whatever? And maybe she just kind of blew her question away. You know, it's like, oh, well, he, hmm. he blew me off, so there's no point. Right. So, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Um, so anyway, that's another thing I thought of. So th- maybe there's something that we're just not seeing here, and maybe we will never see because it seems like <laughs> the plot is going elsewhere. Uh, but hmm, yeah. I don't know. Right. No, but th- th- that is a fair idea, though. Um, that definitely could be the case. But yeah, hard to know for sure. But I guess about that scene with uh, Miko and Kaguya, when it started off, I was really, or kind of honestly a little bit throughout it, I was kind of irritated with Kaguya um, in that scene. Brad, not, come not, on. not entirely, <laughs> I will say kind of in hindsight, in hindsight, not entirely, but I was completely, mm. especially initially, very much on Miko's side there. Um, hmm. I, I thought Kaguya was wrong to. Well, at least as she was seemingly supporting Kobachi's trash talk uh, behind Miko's back. Like, it kind of seemed like Kaguya was saying that that's not necessarily a bad thing, which I do think that act or that action by Kobachi was and still is bad. Like, that she shouldn't have done that under any circumstances. Uh, ultimately, it's fine now, I, I think, but, but the way Kaguya so- seemed to sort of defend it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Um, however, Kaguya also, well, she, she also accused Miko of being kind of Im- immature, even though that was kind of also flipped and, and Kaguya understood that Miko had grown a lot. And, and as we have been seeing over the past several volumes, Miko has definitely grown and matured as a person over, well, yeah, the last couple of months in the story and last couple of volumes for us. So it was nice to see, I guess, how Kaguya was in a way proven wrong in her perception of Miko. And I believe that the reason why she acted the way she did, why Kaguya acted the way she did and said the things that she said to Miko in that scene, 
being kind of cold. Like she was ice Kaguya there. I I would I would say. I wait. I thought, I thought they're one Kaguya now. Well, I I I well I I, mm, I mean I still think she has moments when she acts sometimes more kind of in one way and certain and moments when she acted in in, in a different way. So sure. I, I I don't know. I mean, uh, but but that you you're right though. But um, regardless, it definitely at least was reminiscent of that side of her very much, and um, it rubbed me the wrong way at first. But then I kind of realized, or at least the way I interpreted her behavior there, was that she acted that way because she knows the real value of Miko's and Kobachi's friendship. So she wanted to push Miko toward repairing that friendship kind of similarly to how she helped chica quit her piano lessons uh as we saw in a recent flashback in the previous volume right um but but, but in a similar way she kind of acted kind of harshly toward her which ultimately or at least as the way we speculated about her reasons for it ultimately resulting in her helping her out pushing her in in the right direction i thought i thought we decided that was unintentional like on Kaguya's part. I don't think I settled on that. I think it's fair to assume that Kaguya may have um, recognized Chika's suffering because Kaguya was also suffering in a way that she was also being controlled and kind of doing things that she maybe didn't want to do deep down. So she may have recognized Chika's struggle and then acted the way she did because that's kind of maybe it was easier for her to act that way, uh, but she still wanted to help her out. So she did what she did or what she could. And that ultimately worked out. That's the way I'm choosing to interpret it. And I'm choosing to interpret this scene similarly as to how it's... I, I think in, in, in certain instances, even still, I believe it's easier for Kaguya to help her friends out. Or, or people out. I, I, she wasn't friends with Chika back then. or Well, to help people out by not necessarily coming off as friendly, but she still has that intention as she, and she may still achieve in helping them out, even though she doesn't come off as wanting to help them. But yeah, that's just my thinking kind of on that. Um, I will say though, um, I thought this scene was very nice because I have, I may have mentioned it once or twice before that one of the kind of character combos that, I, that I've felt has been kind of lacking in the story uh, has been the Miko Kaguya interactions, kind of those two characters specifically. I feel like we haven't had enough of them bonding kind of. Uh, and while this wasn't necessarily a bonding session, it, it was still a, a, a very good interaction be between these two characters that I enjoyed a lot. I like the line, uh, you don't understand true justice, or you don't understand what true justice is. Because um, I think it does take Miko's mentality, her ideals, and kind of challenges them. And I respect Miko for taking that statement and not saying, no, you're wrong, but saying, <laughs> I know you're right. I understand that that's something I need to work on. I've realized that. Right. And then we see that through the, the her discussion with uh, Osaragi up on the on the on the roof, kind of a further development into who she is as a person. So I really respect Miko for admitting that she this is her flaw, and that that is something she has noticed about herself, and mm. I guess even wants to improve. Because I, I do think what Kaguya says, to me at least, is, is very much true, where true justice is not necessarily you know, right or wrong. There's nuances in things. For sure. 
And I think that extends to relationships as well. There are nuances in relationships and conflicts and things that a person says about another person behind their back. You know, there could be reasons and uh, frustrations that are, that are behind that. Hmm. And I really think that's what Miko and Kobachi come to understanding is that really Kobachi was just frustrated with the, with the current situation. And the fact that they were able to have that closure is just beautiful to me. Absolutely, one hundred percent agree. And yeah, it, it's uh, kind of as you say, like we've we have seen Miko grow in the recent volumes, and I mean, she definitely did a good amount of growing in this book as well. But it's it's good to not only having seen her kind of character arc and kind of followed along with it to see that growth, but also as you said, see her also acknowledge her flaws, as well as her growth, kind of, uh, verbally. And on top of that, it's not just that something that she says, it's also something that she shows. Uh, on, during the rooftop scene with Kobachi, uh, I think she really shows this growth, because, you know, Miko, a couple volumes back, I don't think could have really settled that conflict with Kobachi the way she was able to do here. And I think it kind of really just goes to show how how much she's matured well obviously still she still has things to work on of course, of course we all do but <laughs> yeah <laughs> but but still sure. um you know it's she, she's come a long way and it's really awesome to see it that scene in general on the rooftop was just amazing it did make me cry uh when i read it uh there's also uh, the part there when miko says that well she's realized how self-centered she is and while that, yeah, for sure, there's some truth to that, um, and you know, I'm not saying she's wrong in saying that, but she is also, I think, incredibly selfless at times. You know, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the bonfire was, I, I think, a very selfless act. I mean, sure, I guess it's part of her dream to make the world a better place in a way, but ultimately, what that did was for everyone except for her to be very happy. I mean, she, she was happy for it as well, but in a different kind of way. So I, I don't think she is entirely self-centered. She does have a very selfless side to her also. I guess I just wanted to make that clear. <laughs> um, I, I feel like every time we bring up something, you feel like you have to defend. I, <laughs> defend I need, I got, I, I, I'm I, sorry. Like, I'm not hating on her at all, man. Like, I just, sometimes I feel like the book is is a, some, a little bit against her or something. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's uh, just me reading into it too much uh, or something. You know, I, and to be fair, I think there are some people who don't necessarily like Miko. Although I don't, I don't think it's a, as big as the people who hate on Chica. I mean, Chica can be pretty bad. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll admit it. Like, she has some pretty hilariously terrible hot takes. True. Um, but when it comes to Miko, for me, I don't think the book paints her in a bad light, per se. Um, I do think there are moments where, yeah, like it, it shows her flaws, just like it shows any of the other characters' flaws. You're right. But I think it also shows her strengths and um, her challenges. Mm. I don't know. No, you're right. You are absolutely right. <laughs> but, you know, you brought up the whole uh, selfless and, and selfish thing. It, it kind of just brings up the somewhat philosophical debate about if someone is doing a selfless thing out of enjoyment or whatever, or 
for their own gain is that really just selfishness like Mm -hmm. it it, it, it's kind of a dark or a pessimistic way of looking at it you know yeah so i don't know like well and i think you could argue that's what the book might be saying when they when they say that she's self-centered but i do agree with you that someone who is only about themselves would not go out of their way to i guess serve others in that in that way precisely yeah for example that and also go out of her way to make up with kobachi the way she did you know well that well i think i think that's because she's matured uh well, well for sure for sure but it also shows that she cares about other people but herself yeah is it the same level of ishigami's kind of silent service that kobachi seemed to secretly love I don't know. Mm. <laughs> I don't see Miko necessarily doing that to other people, but I guess you could argue that's what she does as in her own way in the disciplinary committee. Right. But anyway, everyone's everyone is different. Mm. So yeah. Mm. Right. And and actually on that, I we 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 we've been talking about the bonfire, which obviously is a great example of Miko's good deeds kind of and things that she has done. Not well in that case it wasn't in the role of a disciplinary committee member, but but still, it was something that she did because she is the way she is, kind of. And she is known for kind of being a pain in the ass as a disciplinary committee member. Uh, with the things that are noticed that she does, people take issue with because she's a bit annoying. Which I can, I can, you know, that, that's fair. I can understand that. Mm-hmm. However, I, I, I just for some reason just started wondering if perhaps there are things that she has done in the role of disciplinary committee member that has gone unnoticed similarly to how the bonfire did or more or less kind of unnoticed in terms of her credits or her being credited for it i could imagine there being other things like that that we just don't know of that maybe she has worked for to make kind of well to to create a better environment in 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 some way for the other students perhaps she sneaks into guys' houses and shaves their heads. <laughs> yes, she's doing a service yeah. to society. <laughs> yeah. Someone's got to do it. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yes. Well, she was asked out by you to go to the dance party. Let's go! Right? <laughs> I loved, like... <laughs> I mean, it was a great scene in, in, like, in its entirety, really, when they were sitting there and he asked her out. That, like, it was awesome. But I, what I loved the most was when she walked out of the room and she was like, yay. <laughs> <laughs> and that little face. Oh, it's so cute. And so, I was so happy for her. <laughs> it's like, all according to plan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ah, oh, that's so heartwarming. Oh, my gosh. It's interesting that uh, other people asked her out. Uh, I, mean, I mean, obviously, she's a an attractive person but mm. i guess she's right now within the school is pretty well thought of it seems like uh, apparently yeah like her reputation definitely seems to have improved which is awesome especially if people are asking her out precisely and i mean i i, I believe that started uh, kind of maybe slowly started improving for her uh around the election when you know after the election she seemed to have kind of gotten some some fans or not well not maybe fans is the wrong word but but at least people who who thought she Supporters. was uh yeah yeah who supported her for sure 
So it's awesome to see how that seemingly has just kind of kept improving for her, which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, but I thought it was funny how she showed up with that very cute dress. Uh, <laughs> but you, you did. He just came in the in the school uniform, and she got mad at him for it. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I actually I like it because. That instance kind of reminds me of Miyuki's and Kaguya's early cinema dates, where one of them would come in school uniform and the other would come in regular clothes, and then the, the, it kind of was shifted the next time they went to the cinema. Uh, so like <laughs> they they had poor communication about that back then, mm. and I so I, I guess that kind of shows to kind of Kaguya's growth actually, uh, since she was kind of lecturing them about uh, communication and stuff like that. Good point. I didn't even think about that. So yeah, that that that's that's pretty nice. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no, it was awesome to see them uh, kind of go up onto the dance floor together and blushing and oh, they were so cute. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Then we didn't get to see much kind of of them at the party, but at least we know that they they danced together. At least two dances supposedly. Mm -hmm. I hope that, or it would be nice if the next book might maybe address that in some sense. Like maybe their dance is something that, or, or I don't know, something that they've felt during the dance or something may come up or something. something. I, I don't know. But yeah, I, I love the way this is headed. Of course I do. I mean, of course we do, <laughs> right? Right, yeah. No, I'm a big Ishigami Miko shipper. Although part of me does feel bad for Osaragi, although she, admit, she says she's moved on. Right. Part of that could also just be her allowing Miko to have this one you know what i mean but mm -hmm. I, I do believe her wholeheartedly <laughs> that she has moved on but right you know i i do kind of feel bad and think it would have been interesting to see a ishigami osoragi relationship whatever that would entail mm. but obviously miko and ishigami have the chemistry they have the history they have everything going for each other and that's what i like to see yeah plus i i don't think or i kind of doubt that osoragi would lie about that like about her feelings about you i don't think she's lying yeah right no so yeah things are good do you got anything else on miko i don't i don't think i do actually i think uh we covered it all awesome then let's move on to kobachi osaragi next i knew she had a crush on him i called it man <laughs> you did <laughs> i totally called it <laughs> Yes. Even even when she was saying it's like I don't you know I don't like him romantically you know you could like people. Well, she it, doesn't which, anymore. Which is, no, I I know that. Mm. Yes, I I get that. <laughs> but the it 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 was definitely one of those like cop out things or or like try to hide the truth. That's I think that's what Akasaka was doing is that you know to make people think that she never had feelings for him. It's like no no I I like him just you know platonically you know I just really want to support him. But no, no, she fell for this guy. She had a crush on him. Yes. But obviously, as we've discussed, those feelings of, you know, intimate love or crushing are just not there anymore. Precisely. It's more so friendship love, like, you know, want, mm. wanting to support him. Yeah. And I mean, it's interesting because she and you, from what we know, don't really know each other that well personally like we haven't seen them interact much no she mostly knows him from having observed him mm -hmm. so in that regard i i guess it makes it easier for me to understand kind of how she had or or kind of why her romantic feelings for him have faded 
mm-hmm. and how it, it, well, well since basically she never actually really truly knew him like personally that said of course i understand that she still cares about him uh but mm-hmm. but yeah yeah i i can definitely buy that the romantic emotions are are not there anymore i think if you don't uh react to romantic feelings not and this is not the case for everybody some people harbor romantic feelings for a long time even if they don't act but for some i think it it dies down eventually right i think it's that's common yeah i think it's common to the point where it's not so much that they don't love the person or you know don't like who they are it's just that they don't see them in a romantic way anymore Mm -hmm. for whatever reason that may be I'm sure there's various reasons why they someone could not have a crush on anybody anymore. But I think Osadaki is another example of a Maki situation where if you wait too long to confess to your crush, you you regret it. Or like something something happens. And mm. I think that Osadagi's path is more so of the accepting that I had I had the chance, but I didn't take it. I I made a different choice. Whereas mm. Maki is, I had multiple chances and I never <laughs> did it, and now I'm regretting for the rest of my life. Yeah, you know, right. kind of like polar opposite. <laughs> Absolutely, precisely. Because I mean, in Maki's case, at least the way it's looking right now, she isn't nearly, or she isn't at all close to letting go of of Tsubasa. Obviously, <laughs> right. Um, but. But obviously, we know that Kobachi has. Osaragi has had a few years feelings. though. Precise. That, that that that's fair. That's fair. Um, but but it's also like Kobachi's. I wouldn't say Kobachi's situation is all that like tragic. Uh, really. I, I guess for a time it was like in her past. I could have been like, yeah, that that's kind of sad. But in present day for her, since she doesn't have those feelings toward you, she doesn't want to have a romantic relationship with him she is kind of in a place where she's content so so yeah i, I guess i guess in a way I'm, I'm i'm glad about that that she she is she's not like alone without wanting to be alone or whatever you know she she at mm-hmm. this point in her life she she has no romantic interest for him and she doesn't want to be with him in that way so she is happy the way things are in that way so i, I think that's good maybe i don't know if i you know i don't know if i say happy hmm because I, I think it's still hard for her to give Miko to Ishigami. And that's more so because, or vice versa, give Ishigami to Miko. <laughs> uh, and it's probably more so of the betrayal that she feels Miko uh, had towards Ishigami. But I, I do think there is a bit of like, kind of, not maybe hard feelings is the wrong word, but. I don't think she's necessarily just, oh yeah, please go for it. Like she even says, I can't really support you in doing that. She did say that early on, but but I think by the end of the scene, after having them having talked it over a bit more, while uh, surely I I believe it's not like one hundred percent like oh my gosh, you two should kiss, like it, it's <laughs> I, like it, it's definitely not like that. Uh, I do still think that she is supporting her, or, well supporting Miko in some sense not not like super majorly but to to some extent you may you may be right and it's it's important to note that even kobachi says 
yeah, I'm kind of immature about all this, you know. Right. Like especially especially at the end where they they've kind of like concluded and made up and everything. She's like, yeah, you know, maybe I'm the one who's being the the immature one, or I I need to be mature. I think specifically let go of the grudge that she had mm. on Miko for what she did. And I think that's is what what's key here. I think Osaragi is a, somewhat of a complicated person in her in describing her feelings, and that's fine. Mm. I think that's pretty accurate to real life, really. For sure. Yeah, like as I said earlier, like I don't agree with everything that she's done. Uh, as I think I made clear last time we talked about yeah. the previous, one. I was a little, I was a little afraid last time. I was like, oh man! But uh, but what's gonna happen? <laughs> but um, you know, uh, I think she caused a lot of drama that could have been avoided. Like she could have handled this better from the start. Mm. That said, I do buy that this behavior is like, and and these emotions are realistic natural like absolutely because people are complicated and she is one of those people and you know she is human <laughs> so of course um and yes i i'm definitely not as mad at, at her as i as i was a couple months ago when we talked about volume 23 i'm glad to hear that yes <laughs> and um and about the well yeah as you mentioned how she points out how kind of it's about time that she matured too and Mm-hmm. Um, I I definitely agree with that. It is t- time for her to to mature. Um, <laughs> but but I think that her pointing that out is a good first step in that process, kind of. Um, and it was also nice how both she, uh, both Kobachi, and also Kaguya in an earlier scene pointed out how Miko had matured. But I thought it was especially nice to hear that from Kobachi, uh, not only because they were or they had very recently been on kind of bad terms. So for that compliment, really, to come from Kobachi, I thought was nice to see. But also, since she has known Miko the longest, uh, Mm -hmm. I think that observation, and we've talked about how good her observations have always been. Um, I think they are always, or most of the time, pretty much spot on. Um, So I think it really, really goes to show that Miko absolutely has matured like that. There you go, bringing up Miko again. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, uh, by the way, I, I liked this quote from Miyuki where he said, why does she care who he dates? She has no right to get resentful about it. I like that because I felt the exact same way. Um, that said, I've, I, everything else I've There's said... There's so like, many variables I, I, she <laughs> has to consider. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and Kaguya is right as well. I, it, it, it's fun. It's, it's, it's an interesting kind of thought experiment. Like, because, yeah, I, I can see both sides. Um, but it is, it is complicated, as we have said. Yeah, I really like, I really like this moment for both of them. And, it, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit messy, um, just like most fights can be. Um, but mm. I'm, I'm really glad that both of them were able to act like adults, like, for lack of a better word. Yeah. Um and just talk it over, um because some people really just lose friendships like this. Even if these are friendships that maybe were meant to last, it, I, I, I never like to end things off, end a relationship off like this. You know what I mean? Like, Absolutely, yeah. It's better to come to an understanding. 
Right. And I, I loved kind of that, that thought monologue that that chapter kind of ends with uh, Miko's thoughts about how, yeah, they may not actually, they, they, they may not be friends forever and they, they're probably going to start mm-hmm. dr- drifting apart. In fact, they've already started drifting apart a little bit. You know, they, are, they don't walk home from school together as frequently as they used to before. Yeah. And, you know, as, as time goes on, they're probably only going to meet up once or a few times a year or something like that. Um, and that, that's just life. That's, you know, I, I think a lot of us have kind of experienced this and it's not like you're on bad terms with a person. It's just life takes you in different directions and you don't, yeah, yeah, you just don't happen to see each other as much. But whenever you do meet up, it's kind of like, usually with those types of people who you've been very close with, whenever you meet up, even though it's been a year since last time or, or more sometimes, uh, or at least in my experience, it doesn't really feel like it's been that long like a lot of the time you can easily pick up and kind of just mm. just think, let things be as they were for that meeting and then maybe it'll be another year till, till we meet again mm-hmm. um but yeah yeah it's it's nice it was a nice moment i did really like that final moment and how they're smiling at each other and just mm-hmm. kind of you know despite the fact that it may be growing apart like they they can still relish in the friendship that they have now or whatever and mm. in the final panel of kobachi crying like i i really mm. like that addition you know because yes. this seems like it's something that they would add to just the volume and and not have in the original release maybe i'm, I'm not sure maybe mm. if, if it wasn't in the original release and just added for the volume it's kind of a shame because i think this while it is funny it also adds more to i guess Kobachi's feelings because mm-hmm. a lot of times you kind of see her almost as really cold and and unfeeling um precisely well th- i mean obviously she has strong emotions like because <laughs> she got very upset clearly yeah. Yeah. but this you kind of just see i don't know it makes her more human and mm-hmm. and it's not really it's not miko the one who's crying it's her who's crying and, and is really happy about that they were able to do that and how much she really values their friendship in in, in reality mm. yeah um it's not just it's not just because we sat close to each other and maybe that's what started it, but it, that one panel kind of shows me that she really, really does care about it. 100%. I was also going to mention that because that panel was so needed. Kind of, it at was! Least, like, for me to... Um, believe? Maybe? Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Believe, yeah. To fully believe that her friendship with Miko was real and that she felt like it was an actual friendship... Uh, yeah, I needed to see that. I needed to kind of experience, or yeah, yeah, to see her show that kind of burst of emotion. Because uh, without it, I would have maybe been a bit on the fence kind of about mm. exactly what her feelings were. But that panel absolutely kind of just reaffirmed yeah. uh, all of that and made me 100% believe that she values her friendship with Miko so much. And it's, yeah, just those tears of joy or tears of relief. Uh, or whatever right. it is, like it's, well, well, I think it, of both, you know. Uh, like... Yeah, yeah, honestly, uh, yeah, no, it was amazing to see, and I think that panel, well, obviously the, their whole conversation on the roof uh, plays a big part, but that panel also largely played a role in in um, me for in me in me forgiving Kobachi. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I'm glad you were able to mature um, and and learn forgiveness and, yeah. and learn nuance. And, no. <laughs> yes, I'm, uh, go, I'm I'm walking a parallel path as Miko here. A <laughs> uh, C- couple of things I wanted to mention about Kobachi real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the previous volume, she mentioned that um, everything changed when they had that fight. It was something along those lines. And I think we're discussing what that fight was. And I'm pretty sure the fight is the one where, like, their first fight is the one where Miko accuses, uh, or, or not accuses, excuse me, asks, you know, if Ishigami actually did those th- things. Like, was, was he a stalker or whatever? Mm. Um, I'm pretty sure that mm. is the first fight. That's a good um, idea. Yeah. that's At least that's my take on it. Because the other ones... Like the other interactions don't necessarily seem like fights, you know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, we talked about that last time, how the instance that seemed to be what she was referring to wasn't a fight. Uh, so it was kind of strange. But yeah, this actually would explain it better. Yeah. I like it. And then just, I, you know, I, I keep forgetting how many times, because there's a couple of stories that we cover on Umami Manga. Um, <laughs> yeah, there are. That have... That have girls who don't fully show their face <laughs> yes uh and so i i kind of get uh, confused about the two but i'm pretty sure that we get I, well i don't I, I i can't say it's the first time but i know it's it's <laughs> one of the few times that we get a full shot of her face mm. uh kobachi's face here when she's talking to kaguya right yeah the last the, page of chapter 232 yeah yeah, I I think so. Like, considering like this is present day and we see both eyes clearly, I I believe it may be the first time we got that. Mm-hmm. Maybe I also can't say it with one hundred percent certainty, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. I my, my last thing on Kobachi is just kind of how sad I thought it was just to know that Miko and Kobachi they really have been friends this entire time, even though Kobachi kept saying several times that they were never friends. But it's really, it's clear that they always were. Mm-hmm. But it was sad, or it is sad that she felt that way. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm also very happy that she's over that now. And... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she values her friendship with Miko so much, as evident by that final panel there where she's crying. Yes. I love yes, it. And yes, I, yes. I'm glad you brought it up as well, because, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's so, so important. To so, so, thing, so important. Mm. That's why it's so shocking that it's on just like, this pay this off page whatever it's like wait this wasn't part of the the original chapter like what? Right. or maybe it was i hope it was but I, anyway I, I i do hope so too um yeah but i don't know because there is always like one of those little pages that seems like an extra page but i don't know if yeah they are. they're uh... that, that's a good point this is why you buy the physical volumes or 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 just the volumes in general so you get the whole thing you get the whole yes. stuff <laughs> and so you can smell them uh, <laughs> they smell good. <laughs> okay, you smell your Miko volume. I'll smell my Chica volume. Okay, like, uh, I I always smell my Miko volumes. Uh, <laughs> I have fo- I have photographic evidence of that. <laughs> I, I <laughs> it's on the Twitter. Yes. Uh, no. Uh, last thing I'll say about Kobachi. I know we've talked a really long time. Yeah, but... I mean she was important in this volume. Yeah. Just it, and it gets us more of like a a knock on her, 
it potentially is that when she's talking to Sabame, I don't know when in time this is. Maybe this is towards the beginning of their high school years. Yeah. She mentions, oh, you sh-, Sabami mentions, you should take off your glasses and, and, you know, really dress up. You'd be so popular. And she's like, I don't want that. Like, I don't want people fawning over me. And it's like, <laughs> it's so narcissistic. And I know she's kind of said that in the in the past. Right, yeah. <laughs> but this seems so almost serious versus the other time. It was almost like jokingly so. Right. I, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of like, I don't know. I don't have that much confidence to be like, you know, oh, I don't want people to be all up in my face and just stalking me all the time. Um, yes. In my, in my st- in the life of a celebrity, child celebrity or a, or whatever she is, you know, a beautiful mm. person it must be, must be tough. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And actually another thing she said during that conversation with Tsubame was that she wouldn't want people saying nasty things behind her back. <laughs> Fast forward present day, obviously did that very thing about Miko in the previous volume. <laughs> How dare the nerve of that girl. I've forgiven her, but my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you could even argue that, her observation of Ishigami was kind of stalkerish. Oh my gosh. Oh my god, yes. Jesus. You could kind of argue that. <laughs> That's really funny. Hmm. That's... <laughs> was that intentional? <laughs> I don't know. Wow. Interesting. Cool, but you... All right. My uh... mind has been potentially opened here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> well. Let's move on to Yu Ishigami then. I really like the first scene of this book where we get to see how he started looking up for Miko behind her back. Kind of, we know he's been doing that, obviously, for a long time, but we got to see kind mm-hmm. of the reason or the kind of why he started or when he started doing that and you know how he would always be rooting for her from behind the scenes, as he told her. And yeah, yeah, I just thought that was very, a very sweet scene to have. Yeah, I really agree with that. They had a pretty good relationship at the well i mean i don't know how far into middle school that was but at some point like it seemed like a a, a fairly good relationship maybe not right. enough to say friends but getting there i mean anytime you kind of have a somewhat deep conversation with a person i i feel like you connect in a way yeah and that was a deep conversation that isn't something that i yeah. feel you would have talked about with just anybody so yeah 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 so i felt like they really understood each other and Ray was to talk to each other honestly, hmm. um, at least before the fight. So that really made me happy to see and just kind of reinforces their ship, if you will. Like right. kind of that they were meant to be. <laughs> for sure, for sure. <laughs> I can't quite remember if, if we knew like for sure, for sure, that you was the one who gave Miko the flower. And that message before now, like, oh yeah. I, I mean, obviously, we have basically known for right. quite a while, even. But I don't know if we knew, like, if we had like a hard confirmation that it had been him until now. Mm. I don't. I can't recall. At least we know it now, regardless. Yeah. Um. So um. So yeah. It it just gets <laughs> to know for for sure for sure. Yeah. It would have been. It would have been through a Osaragi moment. Yeah, um, that we have found out. So, and maybe we did, but I, 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 I can't remember either. But it definitely did not come as a surprise. Uh, no. Nor did it even. <laughs> it didn't even really spark anything. It's like, yeah. Yep, and uh-huh. to be fair, maybe we didn't even need to see it. Like, 
Because I feel like the implications were already so heavy that it was him. Maybe. But but anyway, yeah. <laughs> you know, we've talked about in the past Miko's reaction to that and how much that means to her. Hmm. And, and I've just kind of wondered, like, would we ever get a moment where she admits or realizes who it is? You know what I mean? Because we, we've talked, we kind of like dance around the idea. Maybe she's just kind of knows in the back of her mind who it really is, but she's not willing to admit it or whatever. But I don't know. Like at this point, it's like, wh- why not just come out and say it? Um, not necessarily Ishigami, because I don't think he <laughs> really thinks that means anything to her. But why hasn't Miko brought it up? Or why? I don't know. Like, it just seems, it seems like a, a plot thread that hasn't been addressed when it could have been. Maybe, maybe, because I guess she's waiting to address it soon, perhaps. Mm, maybe. I hope so. He also gives a pretty good advice to Osaragi in the library. And uh, I think that, I mean, look, after the end of that, when, when she went to go talk to Miko eventually, I was just thinking, man, what a Chad Ishigami is. You know, just <laughs> the man has two women fighting over him and he doesn't even know it. Like, <laughs> What a what a beast! <laughs> yeah. It's true, and it's funny that he is he is that character, because uh, he's kind of he ha- he's had this reputation of being just the unpopular guy for so long. Uh, he was secretly popular all along. Exactly. <laughs> no, not really. Not not. Quite. He was he was he was secretly popular to one or two people. Right. <laughs> yes. But he's he's a uh, I mean he's not like maybe not like a popular popular kid by the definition or the the stereotypical idea of it. But he definitely has been gaining popularity lately, which is also very nice. Yeah. Or or he's just been gaining friends. That's kind right. of what really matters. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but yes, yes. And we understand also pretty clearly in this volume that Ishigami hasn't fully gotten over Tsubame yet. In fact, he's still kind of burdened by it uh, at times but I loved how Maki kind of was able to um, well well to help him out in a way and um, and for her to also understand that that there was someone that he wanted to go to the dance party with and and she was able to push him to to go take that step and ask ask Miko out I thought was really awesome yeah just that moment in general like it it was it was kind of sweet how how he asked uh, Maki at first I guess like that that was kind of <laughs> sweet although I I was like well when he did it, I was like no like that this is not what I wanted to do, to do it even though I <laughs> even though part of me also thought it was kind of sweet at the same time but but um <laughs> um but no I'm, I'm glad that she uh, uh declined that I think this is a turning point for Ishigami in letting go of Tsubame I mean we were kind of yes. seeing that already with Miko coming on to him in various ways. But I, I think this is the point where he finally tells himself, or at least he at least questions, like, is it okay for me to start falling in love again? Right. I think that's what we're starting to see and him just kind of putting his toe in the water when he asks Miko out like that. Yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I really loved that little brief little thought monologue of his when he walked to the student council chambers where I he, did too. Where he would oh talk to Miko. Oh my gosh. Because it really shows it like... It squeezed my heart. <laughs> right? 
Uh, and it's so, like, it's relatable, I, I, I think, also. Um, but it's, like, the fact that he's questioning, like, whether it's okay to fall in love again with someone else, I think that definitely proves that he does have, you know, at least the beginnings of these types of feelings for Miko now. Uh, and the way he describes her, the way that the way she looks at him and all of that. It was beautiful. So, yeah, yeah. The It seems like it's definitely mutual at this point. So, I love <laughs> it. I love it so much. <laughs> and, well, and, and I, I guess about, you know, the fact that they 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 were able to go to the dance party together. I'm proud of both of them for various reasons. I'm proud of you, obviously, for having, well, for mustering up the courage to ask Miko to go, to go there with him. Um, that was a pretty big move. And I'm proud of Miko for, for declining her other requests from the other people who asked her out, uh, <laughs> since she, she was holding out hope that you would ask her. So yeah, they, they, they both did the right things and it worked out. Oh my God, it worked out. Anything else on you? No, I think that's all I got. All right. Then next up, let's talk about Kaguya Shinomiya. She disappeared. Um, and the Shinomiya family empire is supposedly falling apart somehow. I've got it, man. <laughs> A lot happened in those last two chapters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At least she's replying to, or she has been replying to Miyuki's text messages. So that is reassuring. Um, here and there yeah. right right yeah she can yeah but at least hmm yeah man it's a little scary <laughs> yeah for sure and it seemed like it was like it seems like or it seems to me like she's with um her family in some capacity uh since the the people that arrived after the dance party to get her were or at least I believe those are the guards that we've seen who also worked for the Shinomiya, Shinomiya family back in like volume five or so, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I feel like I recognize the the one in the middle. Precisely. I don't know if she, I don't know if they were at the place in Kyoto as well. Uh, maybe I, they uh, were for sure. They were sure they were volume five. Right. Maybe, at, at, at maybe the very least. not. Maybe not in the Kyoto place, but. I wouldn't be surprised if they did. Right, but at least they, they work for the Shinomiya family. Like, that much we know. For Ganon, yeah. supposedly. Like, ultimately. Um, like her father. Um, Although I'm not convinced that she's with the Shinomiya family right now. I guess it's not necessarily the case, but if they were the ones who took her, or brought her along somewhere, then I feel like it makes sense to assume that she would be with them. But what's your idea? I mean, I know we do have a prediction segment later, but since we're on the topic, do you have... Oh, well, okay. Do you think uh, there's going to be anything else? I think that the Shijo family has somehow gotten these guys mm. on their side, and that's, that's oh. where Kagi is right now. Interesting. That's, I mean, that's my thinking. That, I mean, yeah, the Shijo family is definitely involved somehow. Uh, just gotta know, gotta figure out just how, but I guess, I guess that could be the case. Um, and how, yeah, it would be a little bit of a, well, like an intentional way to mislead us by showing those specific, uh, mm -hmm. guards, I guess, um, or security, yeah. security people. Yeah. 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 It could be, could be. Hmm. There, there's always the, 
the possibility that it could be uh, Oko, mm. the eldest brother, um, using his influences to control Kaguya some, in some way. But it does seem rather odd that Kaguya would be saying, oh, I'm fine, everything's fine, I'm mm. really busy. Um, yeah, okay, maybe she's like gun to head, like that's what she's texting. But um, why, mm. why would they care what her message to her boyfriend are? Like, mm. he's not a threat to them. True. So true. I I think it's someone who's willing to let Kaguya be Kaguya, right? And I don't think Oka would be that kind of person. True, true. And yeah, and you're right. With that in mind, the Shijo family does make the most sense because we know that they are um, are willing to help her. Because well, that was some something that I that that was very nice. I thought to find out that Maki's. Uh, or yeah, Maki, as Maki suggested to Kaguya during the dance, that her family would be willing to take her in and, and protect her, and let her become a shijo. Mm-hmm. I just don't know. I mean, Kaguya didn't seem to think that would really solve the situation. So, so oh my god, I'm, I'm just really torn on on what's going on right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, anyway. Um, well, I guess I guess continuing on with the shijo. Kaguya makes it clear that she doesn't trust Mika Doshijo. Um, yeah. She doesn't, we don't get an explanation why, but, mm-hmm. but she seems to feel pretty strongly about, uh, have some kind of dislike toward that guy. And mm-hmm. it also came up a little bit during the dance party. Something about a promise that Kaguya may think that he has broken, but Mikado claims that he hasn't. Mm-hmm. Like something that he's working hard for. That's also kind of a mystery right now <laughs> right i have thoughts on that but mm. i'll save it for later uh, fair enough fair enough um anything else on kaguya i really like how at the end of that confrontation with miko she basically demands haha that she make <laughs> up with kobachi yeah and then you get the the demand you know the buddha stone bowl demand and it <laughs> it did the thing it did the thing so i thought that was pretty cool i love the line when she's at miyuki's place and k is getting in their way <laughs> and she says i want to be with the man i love as much as possible i was like oh yeah oh my heart yeah oh. that was sweet. <laughs> right and actually kind of on that because i don't have really much of anything on k exactly so I'll just yeah, really, I'll, 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 I'll sneak it in here that it was very nice to see kind of how obvious, obviously, and it shouldn't be surprising to find out that Kay feels similarly. You know, her brother is leaving in about two months. True. And she's going to miss him as well uh, a lot, you know. And it was nice, I think, to, to see that little brief moment from her. Yeah, I agree. The dance with Miyuki was sweet, and it's even, well, it's even bittersweet now because... Yeah. Apparently that was like the last moment together. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh. And how she said like she wishes that moment could last forever and then yeah. she was taken away from there literally right afterward. Man. Man. Actually for some reason, I don't know why I didn't think of it until now, but if this instance of Kaguya being taken away, disappearing, could this be referencing the end of the tale of the bamboo cutter when Princess Kageo was brought back to the moon and had to leave everyone behind. <laughs> it's gotta be. 
I mean, like, it's, it, yeah. There's no way it I, is. It's got to be his interpretation, <laughs> Akasaka's interpretation. Precisely, yeah. It's his it. version of that, kind of. Uh, yeah. Right. My God. Why didn't I think of that before? No. <laughs> and I, I guess, spoilers for my predictions, is that I, I think from here on out, we're going to see how Miyuki gets to the moon and brings back mm. Kaguya-hime, you know? Exactly, so. exactly. Precisely. Yeah, because we have been talking about that moment when the moon gazing, stargazing chapter, which definitely right. is an important chapter. And mm-hmm. yes, oh yes, oh yes. And we know by, by now that Akasaka is a master at bringing things back from early chapters. Um, <laughs> like this yeah, book, he is. This book referenced volume two twice. I'll get yeah. to it. Um, well, or maybe there were even more instances, but I, I at least noticed twi- two things, which we'll get to in a, in a bit. Um, so like, and yeah, it, it's just awesome. But anyway, um, <laughs> um, anything else on Kaguya? No. Then let's move on to Miyuki Shirogane. He gets glasses. Yay! Well, <laughs> welcome to the crew, brother. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's not so bad. <laughs> yeah, it's really not so bad. Soon you'll be upset that people wear fake prescription uh, glasses and you'll be like, <laughs> my disability is not your fashion statement. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it was relatable. Like how, um, like I felt very similarly to how you know when when I got my glasses and like suddenly the world was HD. Yeah, like I I just hadn't couldn't couldn't understand that things could look that good. Uh, so yeah, definitely similar there. I think the big one for me was contact lenses. Like I had glasses and yeah, you know it it helped me see a lot. I didn't have to sit like you know, a foot or so away from the TV. I can actually stand far back. <laughs> yeah. uh, but with contacts, like, it just felt, it, that felt like HD-ified. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I, <laughs> I can see clearly. I've actually never tried contact lenses. I think I'm a little bit scared about it, scared of it, <laughs> similarly to how Miyuki was. <laughs> well, I know how we can fix that. Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> are, you, are, are you offering... <laughs> I mean, if you're if if that's what you heard, <laughs> yeah. um, well, then we had Miyuki's conversation with a headmaster. I thought that was definitely interesting. Yeah, and I think I think we got to understand the headmaster better than we had in the past through that. How it seems like I mean, he is really such a nice guy. Like he he's just really passionate about kind of protecting these kids from mm-hmm. from i guess any kind of bad adult influence really and since kaguya is kaguya is kind of in the most amount of danger of that he's asking miyuki to help her out especially mm. um at least that's mm-hmm. how i understood it or did you get anything else from that no i mean honestly when i when i was first reading it i was like oh, what is his intentions but the second read through mm. I, I got the same kind of feeling that you had in that he just really cares about his students and Kagi's the one who's in an, a lot of need and um, he just wants to make sure everybody has the opportunity to really understand who they are without adults taking over their lives, you know? Precisely. Uh, mm. so, Which is awesome. Like, I love that. It's yeah, I mean, so that, that's really respectable and, and <laughs> yeah. uh, broad-minded of him. And I, and I think it also helps that in this volume, they mentioned that, oh, read this side stuff in order to 
see more about the headmaster, which to me means I don't think we're going to get a whole lot about the headmaster going forward. So I think it's safe to say <laughs> it's more it, it, his intentions were just, I want to help all the kids. And he's just a very forward thinking person because I would, wouldn't be surprised even he's been thinking about this ever since that, that French, uh, the first French mm-hmm. student exchange trip, whatever. Precisely. You know? Yeah, I definitely believe that. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's awesome. Going back to Miyuki, uh, you know, it's super cheesy, um, and you only get away with this when you're talking to your girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever. But <laughs> get 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 your hands off my woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that was definitely cheesy. <laughs> maybe too yeah, cheesy. <laughs> yeah, maybe a little, maybe a little bit much. I, I, makes you wonder what the Japanese was. But even even Kaguya was just like. I can't believe you said that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and yeah, by the end of the volume, Miyuki went along with Unio Shinomiya to see yeah. to see Ganon Shinomiya, Kaguya's father. And that's where the book ends. <laughs> Whoa, hold up. They had burgers. They did you have know, burgers. McDonald's first. <laughs> important. That's important. <laughs> Didn't mean to take take your thunder. Yes, that's no. where that's where it ends on a big cliffhanger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited for the next volume. Ganon looks quite sick. Um, I wonder. Indeed. And and like, what's gonna come of this meeting? Why is it important for Miyuki to meet Kaguya's father right now? Like, I, I it's a, such a mystery. <laughs> I um. mean. Well, I'll bring it up in predictions. <laughs> All right. So I'll there. But it, it is interesting that Unyo would be the one to reach out to Miyuki. Um, mm. Although at first he was really, really just looking for uh, Akasaka. Ayasaka. Hayasaka. I know, I know. Even I can't. And it was funny that instead of just like leaving, he was like, okay, I'll take, I'll take this kid instead. You know, like... Why? Like, uh, the the impression I got from that though was that he his initial um I guess intention was to bring both Miyuki and I. Oh, um, okay. I, obviously, we can't know for sure. Maybe you're right, but um. No, no. I that's I think that that could be a good idea. Yeah. Either way, he he seemed to want to bring her, either only or as well. Mm, yeah. So I I have no idea what where. Unio lies and all this like he yeah. seems at this point someone supportive of his sister's choices like he sees the pictures of uh Kaguya which reference to that smile that she, one of the greatest smiles in all of in all of manga honestly it's like yes oh gosh it, <laughs> that that smile just gets me every time but he's like who is this woman like this is not the, the person but it almost feels like he's acknowledging the fact that she doesn't belong in their world anymore and so i I wonder if he's on their side i mean he hasn't harmed miyuki at all and he's willing to take him to the the their father on deathbed so surely surely he's on shinomi or kaguya's side right i don't i don't know i i i think he's or at the very least i don't think he's going to be a threat in any way uh right i got that feeling by the end of like volume 19 where, where he appeared in kyoto I, I got mm-hmm. the feeling I can't by like as that whole thing was resolved, it fe- it felt like he wouldn't pose a threat anymore, mm-hmm. and I still don't think he will. 
that said though i i don't know exactly what role what what, what his role is right now <laughs> quite yeah hmm very well got anything else on miyuki no i don't well then let's talk about chica next Chica wants a boyfriend. She or does. Maybe, <laughs> or maybe not. <laughs> well, yeah, she did. By the end, she's like, ah, you know what? I'm not related, ready for a relationship, but I want to be included in everybody's love, you know? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but she, she said that she wants to be included in conversations and that she felt left out. Mm-hmm. Those are exactly the two things that she said back in volume two during the Forbidden Word game. <gasps> where we oh speculated my gosh. We, we speculated was she true was she truthful or wasn't she because in that situation back then it was def- definitely dubious but this time i don't think it was as dubious uh, it, it definitely felt far more real this time yeah. and the fact that and i, I double checked it was basically those two exact things being included mm. and and feeling left out were two things that she repeated basically in this volume from back then which I thought was very interesting. Um, and I think there's, I think this definitely means that there is some real substance to those like feelings of hers that I hope that there's time, you know, time left in the story for her to work on that or, you know, in some sense, um, reach a satisfying conclusion for her. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, <laughs> Chica has kind of often gotten the short end of the stick in terms of, <laughs> yeah. of I guess, serious content sadly um yeah but yeah. but still you know we can dream right <laughs> yeah i mean we could totally dream but with only four <laughs> volumes left and we're entering like this major arc <laughs> on, okay so there is one person i think that could well and maybe other people think differently but i think that there's a person they mentioned here in this one that could be potential but also it it doesn't seem likely. So Mikado, right. I think that he matches a lot of the things that um, she was saying and whether or not that was more of a joke or not, who knows, but mm. she, he also has similar characteristics to Miyuki. And we've already established before <laughs> that Miyuki shares some of the qualities that Chika seems to like in a, in a partner. Yeah. Right. So I don't know that that seems like a pretty viable option. Oh, the fact that, Chica is like, yeah, that's not a bad idea. It does kind of make me think, okay, well, that's not going to happen. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, Miyuki seemed to be, think it was a really good idea, though. So, right. Um... I mean, and, and that's and that's just furthers to me that it it, it emphasizes to me that no, that's not going to happen because uh, yeah. that that would that'd be too obvious. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's fair. That's um, fair. I mean, and look, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I I I love to see a, a relationship for for chica blossom here but um mm. i think the the big factor against this is how vehemently against it kage is mm, or yeah at least right now i i, I i'm hoping that i mean things could change of thing, course yeah right and i at least right now in the story i don't think that mikado or any one of the shijo family is kind of is bad in any way i don't think so right now no i don't think so either no mm. no so hopefully kage will also see that assuming we're correct in our interpretation of the shijo family um <laughs> uh, yeah right yeah that was an interesting chapter a hilarious chapter but you know <laughs> yeah. I- I- interesting one in that it just talking about chica being the kind of the one left out mm. yeah and i and i think back to i, I 
gosh, I don't know when this Q&A was, but the voice actress for Chica, I think she was talking to Akasaka and says, hey, can Chica get some love too? Like, where's, where's <laughs> Chica's love story? Oh. And I don't know how he answered or he just brushed it off, but I mean, it definitely was like, oh, it's coming. You know, it wasn't anything like that. Hmm. Um, so <laughs> it, it makes me feel like that Chica is just doomed to <laughs> be lonely, but I, I don't know. Oh. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, at, at the end of the day, like, at, at, or at the end of the chapter, she was, well, at the end of the chapter, she was like kind of creeped out. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think she's pretty still okay being single I and mean, she even like like right. i said earlier she says that she's really not ready for a relationship yeah and she hasn't um, found it like she hasn't fallen fallen for anybody or anything so yeah yeah well one day she's going to become the prime minister of japan right 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 <laughs> <laughs> you know honestly the more the more i think about that yeah the more the more i wonder if it if it's really a, just a joke or if she's <laughs> secretly serious about that. Right. She wants to make money. Like she yeah. in the chapter. She's just like, Oh, I plan on making like a pretty, pretty big salary. It's like, what? okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm really curious what her, what is in her future. Mm hmm. Absolutely. Play, she was playing the piano during the whole entire dance. So oh, no yeah. one can dance with her. Curses. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> i wonder if it, that was... it was planned <laughs> yeah right <laughs> yes um all right then next up let's talk a little bit about maki shijo i've already mentioned the part about her kind of inviting kaguya to the shijo family uh, i didn't intend mm. on mentioning that already up there but, <laughs> but 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 she was also talking to her dad on the phone in one of these kind of final pages of one of the chapters where she asked her dad to where she she asked him for a little more time for mm -hmm. something this is there's so many mysteries right now i didn't expect this from this series honestly mm -hmm. like this amount of mystery but it's it's great i love it i agree yeah just a little, a little more time what is yeah you know, what, i wonder if it might be tied to the idea of them kind of inviting her into their family somehow um or if it's something entirely different well if it has anything to do with the Shinomiya clan all of a sudden in, in dark waters, it could be that the Shijo clan was going to, you know, put something to action, but Shijo was able to convince her dad to wait until maybe, maybe the dance, maybe because mm. maybe she knew that was a special moment for Kaguya. Oh yeah. Or something along those. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm still like in the theory that she's with the Shijo family in, in some aspect. Yeah. I mean, that would be best, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then we also saw Maki acting quite strange when she ran into Miyuki uh, after Kaguya had disappeared. Mm -hmm. uh, she didn't seem to want to talk to Miyuki really at all, which has me even more at a loss. <laughs> like, what, what, what's, what could be, like, assuming Kaguya is in some sense with the Shijo family right now, what could be so, I guess, important that she can't even tell Miyuki about it? I feel like that's Kind of curious. Want to talk a little bit about Mikado Shijo? If there's anything left on him? Yeah. So we've already mentioned the promise that Mikado made to Kaguya however long ago. Mm. But what was that promise? Obviously not so sure. And maybe there's a little bit of predictions, but 
bear with me, because I've already mentioned this in previous <laughs> discussions, yes. is that I feel like because Mikado means emperor, it's mm-hmm. implying that he could be a potential marriage suitor for him. For her. Or for her, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pronoun trouble. Um, uh-huh. And so I've always wondered if her disdain for Mikado was because of this potential forcible marriage. Hmm. And I, I still wonder if that's the case, but I don't know. Like, I, I, feel, I feel like that could be how the Shijo family tries to protect Kaguya is by making her a sister-in-law and giving her protection that way somehow. Um, but I don't, know, I don't know exactly why that would be a promise that Mikado's broken that makes Kaguya upset. Like, I don't... Th- yeah. There's, like, pieces I'm, I'm missing there. <laughs> right. Yeah, and, like, I obviously... Y- yeah, you, 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 you definitely have had this uh, arranged marriage idea for a while, even since before Mikado became a character. Right. <laughs> um, and obviously it makes sense to tie him to the, the, the arranged marriage because of his name, as you said. However... Mm-hmm. I also struggle kind of, I guess, believing in that uh, theory because because of the relationship, I guess, between the Shinomiya and Shijo families, they don't seem to want to cooperate or work with each other or be friendly with one another at all. So I guess it, I have a hard time thinking that they would arrange a marriage between the two families. Uh, I mean, one could see it as, I guess, a, an attempt to become or to, to unite, but I don't think they would want that. Or at least, I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, that, that's the thing. I think this whole falling out of the Shinomiya clan would force their hand into allowing Kaguya to be married off to the Shijo family um, in order to save their clan or business or whatever. Um, um, that, that's what I think is happening potentially here. Okay. Um, okay. Now, I don't know if that is something that Kaguya would have thought of. I doubt it. Well, not... Not saying she couldn't think of it, more so that she would never agree to it. Right. Or, you know, is this uh, something that would actually work? Or, I don't know. Um, I, have, I have more thoughts, but I'll, I'll say that for predictions. <laughs> All right. Again, saving it for the predictions. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff to, I guess, predict about. Uh, but yeah, I guess that's all on Mikado then. Yeah. Uh, all right. Then, uh, well... <laughs> A little bit on Betsy. She came back from France, or she came back from Volume Two, and she's still terrified of Kaguya. Um, <laughs> but uh, a little more reasons, though. Yes, actually, not just because how she threatened her, but also because mm. she understands who the Shinomiya clan is. True, even in France. Pre- precisely. Uh, so that actually, yeah, that does put things into perspective, and I, I do appreciate, I guess, that and like how we understand like the grand scale of it really, mm-hmm. uh, in a way that I don't think, at least I didn't really comprehend before. Um, so yeah, that, that is interesting. And last time, I, I, I just assumed, because they were talking about this dance party last time we talked about the previous volume, and I assumed they would all go to, to France since they had mentioned that the French students would <laughs> arrange it or something. But I believe you actually brought up the, the possibility of them about the French students coming to Japan to arrange it there, which actually yeah. turned out to be the case, even though I think you even <laughs> mentioned that that would be kind of strange if that happened, but it did happen. And I guess it was kind of strange, to be fair. It, yeah, it is strange. I, I guess it's just how I read it. Like, 
<laughs> back then, but it was like, wow. Well, anyway, I don't know. I don't know, man. And and to be fair, I guess if they had, if the plan was to go to France, then I guess they, they would have probably talked about that journey more or about, right. about that trip. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> mm, but, yeah, uh, anything else on Betsy or anything related to that? No. Uh, then uh, any other character you want to talk about here? I, I don't have anything else on anyone. You didn't have anything on Hayasaka? I didn't take any notes on her, no. Huh. I took some notes in comedy. Do we, are we doing comedy? Uh, we're, we are doing comedy. We're doing comedy on Kaguya-sama and Spy Family. Okay. I have, I have comedy notes. So that, that'll be my Hayasaka stuff. <laughs> okay, so no specifically Hayasaka, Hayasaka stuff. No, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> then let us move on to the comedy segments. Chica wanting a boyfriend was hilarious, obviously. Uh, that whole chapter, like, man. It, it's a Chica-centric chapter, so it's bound to be funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I think my favorite part from that was when she uh, she said to Miyuki and you that she likes both of them. Yes! And then it cuts to Miko and Kaguya just with blank yes. stares. <laughs> and how Kaguya, like the guy continued, and Kaguya, in her mind, called Chica a, a bitch in heat. <laughs> it was like, it really made me laugh. And just oh ending with gosh. Miko just suddenly just dragging Chica away from there. <laughs> I love that whole thing. It was so funny. <laughs> you know, I think... I, I don't think Ishigami would ever fall for Chica. I just don't think they would ever see eye to eye no. particularly well. I, I, just, I, just, I just have a hard time. Miyuki, on the other hand, if Kaguya wasn't a thing... I. <laughs> I, you know, I think that that would have been a pretty good relationship. Just saying, but hmm. I also think <laughs> I also think Miyuki and Kage are the perfect match for each other, and so it's right. It's but neither here nor there. You made me wonder now, though. I wonder how big is the Miyuki X Chica fandom, or whatever you want to call it, like. I don't know. It, it, it has to be dead by now. How many shippers like that exist? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure if like season one, I, I, maybe there would have been some. But no, they, they got to be dead by this point. Most, yeah. Or moved on, excuse me. <laughs> they, <were moving. laughs> they all just died. They all died. Uh... Yes. <laughs> Everybody died. The end. Um. Okay. Yeah, that was a that was my favorite mode in that chapter as well. <laughs> I I really love the line. So many variables to consider. Just that interaction, just her face. And, <laughs> you know, really yeah. really great way of expressing that kind of uh, emotions there. Absolutely, yeah. But but women are such a pain. Don't you agree? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> I <Yeah>. totally agree. <laughs> exactly. I really really agree. <laughs> oh, you really really. really yeah. No, that was great, yeah. <laughs> uh, I also thought it was really funny to see how Kay showed Kaguya their home just the way, just the same way Miyuki did the first time. Oh, I didn't, yeah, I didn't realize that. You're, oh, that's a good point. I totally forgot. Like, here's the gates, here's the elevator, and like, yeah. everything like that. It was really... I think I was just more so just uh, laughing that Kaguya knew all of this. Oh, yeah, that, that too. I was just waiting to see Kay's reaction. <laughs> um, yeah. And, yeah, definitely... <laughs> delivered it was great absolutely <laughs> but yeah they truly are siblings doing the exact same thing for sure 
I also really like Miyuki's reaction in that chapter when Kay said that she had uh, seen his bookmarked porn sites on his phone. <laughs> what? Uh, like, that's got to be a really terrible realization, understanding that your little sister has seen what you've been watching for porn. That's not good at all. Poor Miyuki. I don't know what... There's no privacy in that family, I guess. Uh, no. <laughs> But yeah. it's like, did she did she break into his phone, like hack to his phone, like, or did he just like fling it around and just show it, like what? <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. That's bad. Uh, the contact chapter uh, mm. was great. Just do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I I loved how anticlimactic it felt. How it just <laughs> you you were expecting him to actually do it eventually, but he just never did. It took forever, and then he just <laughs> end, ended with him not doing it at all. Uh, I love that. And then I is man, she's such a tease. Oh yes, like <laughs> she took so much enjoyment in all of that. <laughs> Um, you know, I think there's actually a fair amount of people, maybe even more so than any sort of Miyuki Chika shippers, who mm. would easily ship Miyuki and Hayasaka Ai together. That's fair. Yeah, I can see that more so, yeah. Yeah, because they've had some pretty intimate moments with each other. Yeah. And so and and some great character growth for, for each other as well. I mean Absolutely. so has Chika and Miyuki in character. I mean That's you know, true too. Chika's the mama. Mm. It, <laughs> yes. it, more than one reason and no stop. okay stop <laughs> mm-hmm. and no oh not gonna go no. there not gonna uh, go mean, there feel free to i mean no, i'm all no, ears no. no no um but hayasaka just like literally getting basically on top of him tongue out i was like oh, oh my gosh this is mm-hmm. this is spicy it definitely um, was <laughs> but, but obviously she stopped and just decided yeah. just to go for the the contact instead. Right. Yeah, I mean she would have never done it, but she did it for fun kind of or as a tease yeah. as you said, yeah. Uh yeah. which I I I think it's hilarious. I also thought it was hilarious that Kaguya wants to lick Miyuki's mm-hmm. eyeballs now. <laughs> and I believe she actually did to do. Yeah, I I think Uh, she already did. (laughs) I believe yes, because I think the fact that we know that Miyuki now uses contact lenses, that's proof that she did it because her tongue kind of eased his eyes into it. I -hmm. guess (laughs) that that's my interpretation at least. No, I I think that's the way it should be interpreted. Awesome, great. Uh, yeah. It's hilarious, and I, I think it's a pretty nice callback to her love of his eyes. I, I don't mm-hmm. remember which volume. You're, you're better at the chapters and volume, remember, than mm-hmm. I am. But mm-hmm. it's, it's the one where, you know, he all of a sudden uh, actually has enough sleep, and yeah. uh, she comes back, she's really disappointed that his eyes are different, and then yeah. he, he stops sleeping, and she just gets really... Uh, huffy and puffy and excited uh-huh. about his his glare <laughs> precisely yeah yeah <laughs> yeah no it's it's awesome to have that kind of reoccurring thing yes um i don't have anything else on comedy but go for whatever you got left oh that i think that's it for me too ah perfect i don't think there was as much comedy i mean it was there was the chuckling and good times and stuff like that but not right not not really a um incredibly comedic volume like i don't Right, like, 
precisely. There were a couple chapters, like Chica's boyfriend chapter and the contact lenses chapter. They were pretty comedy heavy, but uh-huh. for the most part, the rest wasn't as or didn't have as much of that. Um, yeah, yeah. That said, though, I think this this volume had more comedy than the previous one did. Oh, did it really? I can't. I, I believe. Oh, it's been so long. <laughs> <laughs> it has. Uh, but anyway, let us move on to the final stretch of this discussion. Starting with our predictions. So I guess you've mentioned a lot of predictions that you had and stuff that you wanted to continue on onto. So go for some of that. All right. So I really do think the Shijo family has Kaguya. Mm. I don't know how much of this is her plan, Kaguya. I'm sure that Shijo has been their their family has been working in the background for this for a while. And mm. I think their plan is to get Kage to marry Mikado. And that is their way to um, take down the Shinomiya clan uh, or get them under under their foot, if you will. Um, and mm. I don't think they're necessarily doing it for Kaguya's sake. I think they're more so using her as a means to get at the Shinomiya family. Uh-huh. Um, but the the twins, Maki and Mikado, I think they really do. I mean, I think it's clear that they care about Kaguya, especially Maki. Right. They they care about her, and so while they probably can't fight against this Shijo plan, they're going to try to make it work out in Kaguya's favor as much as they can. Mm. As for the promise that Mikado may have made. One idea I had was maybe the. This is a long shot because it it depends if the Shinomiya and the Shijo family can actually work together, mm-hmm. but maybe they were betrothed to each other for a long time because sometimes arranged marriages will happen, you know, closer to birth or closer to at a younger age, mm-hmm. um, and then when they get to the marrying age, that's when they actually, um, well, marry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe that's what happened with Mikado and Kaguya. They they met at an earlier age, and um, both families agreed that they would marry each other. And maybe Mikado made a promise because perhaps Kaguya was upset about that. Maybe, maybe not. Made a promise to her that it wouldn't happen. Okay. And yet, in the present day, Kaguya feels like that is what's happening. Um, uh... But... He does say, I guess going against that theory, Mikado does say that I came to Shichin uh, to support you. You know, why do you think I came here? Yeah. So it's tough. Like, if he wasn't going to marry her whatsoever, then he shouldn't have come to Shichin, right? Um, if that was the promise he made. So maybe the promise was more so like, I will, I don't know, support you any way I can. <laughs> it's hmm. so vague. Uh, but, <laughs> hmm. I don't know. Just, just a lot of, a lot of thoughts there. Right. Um, but I, I think that there is something to do with the Shijo clan. Um, but I also think that Kaguya, my, or at least my prediction is that Kaguya will find a way out of it herself. Um, and and maybe. And I, I, I mean, granted, I think this all goes back to Miyuki being the one who brings Kaguya back as well. But, but I don't think Kaguya is going to be this princess trapped in a castle type of situation. I, I really don't right. think that's that's going to be the case here. I think she will mm. 
come up with her own plan to e- escape the clutches, but then we'll have to rely on Miyuki for something else. Right. I, I agree with that for sure. You definitely have far more of a concrete kind of speculation, um, <laughs> prediction idea than I do. Uh, I, 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 I mean, I, I, obviously it's hard to know, but... I mean, it's hard. I mean, yeah, who knows? I, 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 do, I do like your, your prediction, though. And uh, I, <laughs> I don't have a whole lot else to really say along those lines, though. Any idea what that promise could have been? Or... Because, you know, interestingly enough, like, there's, there's that panel where he talks about how he came back, and then Mikado steps in. But there's a moment where Kaguya's face kind of softens a bit, almost like she wants to believe him or something like that. So, it's, so mm. it's just a very interesting dynamic at this point. So yeah. what, was, what is so off-putting about Mikado, who seems like a pretty cool, chill guy, exactly that makes her so against him and yet maybe also willing to believe him? Right. I think it's perhaps got something to do with the fall of the Shinomiya family empire. Well, it's not completely fallen, but it it is crumbling. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if perhaps Kaguya and Mikado, when they were younger, decided to rebel against the Shinomiya family in some sense, or kind of fight against them somehow. Mm. Uh, because according to Unyo... Kaguya, at least the way he had used, he was used to seeing her before. Mm-hmm. She she was just kind of waiting for a, for an opportunity to seize seize uh, power kind of over the family, um, mm-hmm. and so in that way she would want to in a way fight her own family or would have back then, um, mm. and I guess Mikado may have felt similarly as a Shijo mm-hmm. family member, obviously not being on the side of the Shinomiya. So maybe they went into some kind of pact or something when they were younger, in a way, but then something happened that made them drift apart and uh, uh, or something. I, I don't know. That, that was really just a very spontaneous thought, though. No, um, I, I like it because it, it could give them... or it gives reason for Kaguya to be disappointed in Mikado. Like, mm. maybe she thinks that Mikado is still very much working for the Shijo family and is, and is just, you know, a puppet in their schemes. Mm. Whereas, when they were younger, maybe he made a promise to her that they, he would help her escape, or they would both escape from the, the Shijo and, and Shinomiya clans. Um, and, and, and maybe there was some sort of Although I, I don't think Kage's ever really experienced love before meeting Miyuki. Really, that's um, a fair point. At least romantic feelings. Mm. But I don't know. Maybe maybe there was something there, and um, right. mm. uh, the fact that he, I mean, obviously she has ears and eyes everywhere. Maybe she knew what Mikado was doing, so maybe that changed her opinion of him. I don't know, right. but definitely the fact that he was still there and supposedly still following Sujo demands. I think it probably uh, made her upset uh, mm. if that was the promise they made. Right. But at the same time, like what has she been doing? 
Like, she hasn't actively been really fighting against her own family either. That's a good point. Yeah, so... <laughs> she, she was really just falling, uh, yeah, falling in line until, mm. or, or, well, not just, well, I mean, I guess she was trying to build up her own conglomerate before Miyuki came along, but... Mm. Right. And, but I guess, yeah, I, I, I guess, well, this is certainly not, like, a definite thing but it, it it's interesting to think about and i guess if this if it is something along these lines then perhaps mikado is kind of the whole reason for this beginning of the fall of the shinomiya family empire maybe it's something that he did mm. uh that started all of this perhaps and and maybe that's a way that he well maybe something he did or has been working on and does in order to earn Kaguya's trust again. Interesting. That's also just a very spontaneous thought, though. <laughs> That'd be pretty impressive for a 17-year-old, yeah. 18-year-old to do all that. Definitely. But um, and, and as far as insight into or predictions about uh, Ganon, I don't know what they're doing with that. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> right? That I, so I guess strange. him dying is going to bring up succession things, mm, right? That's true. That's but Yeah. I well I mean you're going to have yeah, you're going to have um uh arguments within the family no matter what. But Oko mm. it does seem to be like the, you know, top candidate, you know. Yeah. most likely person. So I don't know exactly how much of a plot point that could be. But I wonder yeah. Are we gonna get a sob story for Ganon? Like, <laughs> I mean, he seems pretty helpless at this point. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. I wonder. Yeah, honestly, really, th this entire meeting between Miyuki and Ganon is just—I'm so much at a loss here. It's so such a weird thing to me. So I'm, yeah, very, very excited to see where this scene is gonna go. Yeah. I wonder if perhaps we missed Miko's birthday. Or, oh. or if it'll come around next volume, which obviously I hope for, I'm probably gonna predict that we will see her birthday in the next volume because if we 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 we've gotta be around that time now, uh, May fifth. Um, mm. like it's maybe we're even past it, but I hope we're not. Anyway, then there's also you know this whole thing about the heart that you gave Miko at the end of the culture festival, which. I've been bringing up a lot since then, but I guess something that occurred to me today was that maybe that heart was never meant to come back into the story again. Uh, maybe it was only ever meant kind of to represent or somehow metaphorically represent that Miko and you were meant to become a thing further down the line. And maybe the item itself wouldn't or wasn't supposed to be brought back mm. it could be that or it will be uh, brought back in the next volume which i think would be quite nice especially if if we get miko's birthday maybe the heart and her birthday can come along at the same time kind of could be nice perhaps because if we do see her birthday i i definitely hope to see you give her something nice yeah i'm okay with the heart not coming back uh um... right i i am too at, at this point but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I guess that's my just my really last prediction. Well, it's more of a question, you know, what more are we going to get in the Ishigami Miko relationship as we enter this 
final arc, I, I guess just, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. Like, maybe there will be a whole mini arc within this arc that will dive into their relationship where they even start going out. That would be nice. I'm just curious, what is their end game? Precisely. Um, right, because I could see the story ending with them perhaps being a little bit further ahead than they are now, but not being, like, officially dating, perhaps. And, oh, really? But, like, mm. potentially, but that it would, you know, heavily imply that, you know, they're going to go out mm. in the future and, like, become a thing in the future. Like, I could see that, but it would be nicer to actually see them start dating before the story ends. Yeah, right. <laughs> of course. Um, to be fair to the story, it, it's always been about, well, the main couple, you know, Miyuki and Kagi. Like, it's, it's mm. their relationship, their growth. And, and while these guys are definitely main characters they're not the main relationship here so i i could see it i yeah i could see that ending it off but honestly it would be super satisfying to see them you know kiss kiss okay I'm glad <laughs> that. yes i'll say it'd be super satisfying it would it would absolutely so, would absolutely. part of me is hope, holding on to the hope that that happens me too um but maybe that's foolish <laughs> nah no 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 but all that said, I believe the next volume, or maybe this, the rest of the story in general, um, it's most likely going to focus mainly on the Shinobia conflict. You know, that's going to be the main focus. But I also do expect to see some more growth in this relationship between Miko and you as like a side thing. Or, well, not necessarily side thing. Like, it's going to be an important and, I, I believe, pretty impactful thing to the characters and to maybe to the story as a whole but but it's not going to be the main main focus mm -hmm. but there's definitely still growth to be had there and and you know in in their relationship there we we're not done here this dance isn't the end of their relationship <laughs> i hope not no 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 it's only the beginning it really only is the beginning but yes i you know and you could say that we got about a season of anime left Oh, uh, four volumes because I believe the vo the seasons have been usually four to five volumes long, um, and how they, what what they've been adapting. So I guess you could actually say that what's left is about a season of anime, roughly. Dang, that's kind of crazy to think about. It is, yeah. <laughs> it is. Are there any more Chica ramen chapters coming up? Like, have we oh. have we done all the ramen kings? I believe. Oh, dude, I believe. Actually, we haven't done the taxi the, guy, right? Precisely, yeah. I I think he's the only one that she hasn't like faced off against in a ramen shop. <laughs> she has met him, but not in that way. So I believe we should have that. Plus, the we we will have two more Chika teaches Miyuki chapters. The, oh, wait, two more? I believe so. Wasn't there supposed oh, to be? Oh, is one? that is that what they were? Oh, that's right. Because because the the headband comes back. Exactly. Uh, um, and I believe they mentioned two specific instances. There will be one where uh, she deal she helps him with his phobia of bugs, and another one where she teaches him to swim. I believe was hinted. I can't at? remember. I I'm not 100 percent sure, but I I believe those were the two things that were hinted at. Um, and again, like with the bug phobia thing, which I'm very excited for. I I gotta mention it again since it's been a couple months since last time, but. 
I love the idea of the cockroach from like volume one or two, <laughs> the one that she's set, set free, like sent back to the forest, that that one uh-huh. would come back along with all of its friend, kind of infest Shuchin or something. And that, and like during that event, like she will help Miyuki kind of deal with his phobia. I think that would be so much fun. Uh, so that's still a prediction that I'm holding on to. <laughs> um, oh, I just remembered. Hmm? Uh, where is I right now? She's seems to also be disappeared. Is she with Kaguya? Is that what we're supposed to? Oh, guess? I didn't. I didn't draw that connection, but that's that's a good possibility. That's a very good possibility. Because they don't like flat out say, "Oh, she's also missing." No. Um. There's only just that one moment where they just, you know, she's not there. Precisely. So it's like, is she also missing, or is she just going to school like everybody else? I don't know. That's, so that's a good possibility. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Look forward to finding out. Oh my gosh. Yeah, April can't come soon enough. <laughs> yeah, oh, mm-hmm. April's got a couple of good volumes I can't wait for. Yes, absolutely. <sighs> but I believe we have reached the end of this episode. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a long one. It's, it has. <laughs> but it's been a blast to to have this whole discussion about this volume. A great one, as always. Uh, I believe you and I have been consistently quite pleased with Akasaka's work on this yeah. series. Yeah, no, ab- absolutely. <laughs> Hell yeah. I mean, we'll see if it all tanks after the the final arc, but... <laughs> or during the final arc, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, nah. Dude, honestly, at this point, I have so much faith in Akasaka. In Akasaka, we trust. Yeah. Pretty well. If you guys enjoyed our content, you can follow us on Twitter at Umami Manga, and it would be lovely if you'd like to support us by rating our show on the podcast platforms and subscribing to our channel, Umami Manga, on YouTube. If you like this episode, please share it with anyone you think might enjoy it too. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time when we'll talk about Volume 25. Bye-bye! See you Perfection, as always. That was indeed perfection.